The Ryan Case, 1873, is an interactive murder mystery in which you are the detective. Scour the streets, catch a killer, and have yourself a grand old time. Visit www.liveintheatre.com or call 212-780-4787. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> Greetings to you again, my beautiful Screamers, and welcome back to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast for horror gets bent. This is episode 35, otherwise known as the Gay Pride Hot Body Hootenanny. I don't know what that means, but it sounds illicit. So tonight, I'm going to be joined by my friend Fozzie Bear from the Podcast Podcast as we try to figure out why dead boys don't scream and why they can't seem to keep their clothes on either. And then, with a little help from my friend El Goro from the Talk Without Rhythm Podcast, we're going to try to fend off some ticked-off trannies with knives. So, whip out your pride flags, slap on your short shorts, and get ready to strut your stuff, bitches, because the Scream Queen's gay pride hot body hootenanny is about to commence after this important announcement. Hey everybody, it's me again. Oh my god, you're probably thinking, does this queen ever shut up? And when it comes to this topic, no I don't. Because right now I'm here to plug my latest concert with the New York City Gay Men's Chorus. Now this June we're doing a very special outreach program as part of our Pride series. And it's called Accentuate the Positive, singing new stories about HIV and AIDS. And we're going to take a fresh look at how we see HIV. In an upbeat and joyful celebration, New York City Gay Men's Chorus will explore how life with HIV and AIDS has changed over the last three decades. We salute the insights and humor of the survivors, gay and straight, black and white, young and old. We're recounting their diverse, fascinating, moving, and at times hilarious stories, unified by struggle and a universal determination to thrive, overcome, and live life to the fullest. And this year, our very special guest is Freddie Walker Brown, who is the original company of Rent on Broadway. Plus, you're going to get to see me singing Totally Fucked from Spring Awakenings. What could possibly be cooler than that, yo? So come on down and see what positive lives look like. Bring your lovers, bring your families, bring your friends, and bring your memories. So be with me and the rest of the guys here at Pride as we mark more than 30 years of love and loss. But above all, life. And you know what? Just for you, my beautiful screamers, I've got a special discount for you. If you go over to the website, www.nycgmc.org, and enter the code ATP, you're going to save 10% off your ticket price. So, that's Accentuate the Positive, Wednesday, June 29th at 8pm, the Skirball Center for the Performing Arts on the NYU campus. Be there, or be a loser, yo. Dear Mr. Vernon, we accept the fact that we have to sacrifice a few hours a week to podcast about whatever you find important, but we think you're crazy asking us to write an essay telling you who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms and the most convenient definitions. 
But what we found out is that each of us is a podcast about other podcasts. A podcast about television. A podcast about films. A podcast about music. A podcast about books. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, The Podcast Podcast. The Podcast Podcast is your one-stop source for all the podcasts on the internet. Each week we have very special guests from some of the best shows on iTunes so that you can decide if you should check them out or keep on moving. Find us at thepodcastpodcast.com or search for us in the iTunes store by looking for me, Fozzie Bear. That's F-O-Z-Z-I-E-B-A-R-E. Hey babies, how you doing? Oh, you really didn't think I could let any significant amount of time go by before I gave you guys the real episode you deserve, did you? If you did, you should be ashamed. But no, I'm here, I'm back, and oh my god, what a couple of weeks it's been. Oh, we've got so much to catch you up on, and some of it is just real drag. But let's just start off by saying this much. I'm on Vicodin right now. Yeah. Now, those of you who listen to other podcasts, you know, maybe two years ago, when, uh, like, Drunken Zombie and I Living Podcast, and uh, I'm not here to make friends, you might remember I was on Vicodin then after I had some surgical procedure that wound up, turned out to be completely unnecessary, but not the point right now. I get chatty. I mean, I'm always chatty, but I get obtusely chatty. So, you might want to hold on to something secure take shelter in the doorway because I don't know what the next 20 to 30 minutes is going to take us before we even get down to talk about any motherfucking movies. But let's get the depressing stuff out of the way first, shall we? Okay, I touched briefly on the little supplementary uh, episode last time. Let's call it the suppository episode, shall we? Just quick, stuck it all up in there really quick. But uh, my sister is not doing well. A lot of you know she has been undergoing chemotherapy for uh, a growth in her uterus that has gone malignant. They were really hopeful. Like in the first couple of weeks, she showed progress. And then all of a sudden in the last two, it went the complete opposite. She went from stage two to stage four like that. And it was a huge shock for all of us. Now she started a new type of chemotherapy that's more general, but it's gotten to her lymph nodes and, and I believe her spleen and it, it's it's pretty scary right now and currently all we can do is wait. She hasn't been taking to the new treatments well at all and she's been in a lot of pain and um, she's been in the hospital twice for the pain but I appreciate all of your love that you guys have been sending and the support and the notes and the texts and the tweets and you guys are awesome. But we're a bunch of fighters, our family, and um, I told her we can kick ass. She's just got to, you know, buckle down. I don't know. Keep hope alive and everything. But then in the midst of all this, I got sick, you know. I took my mom to the theater. Mr. Bradford and I took her out you know, two weeks ago to uh, the theater to see The Importance of Being Earnest on Broadway, which was hilarious. And first of all, it was her belated Mother's Day gift and her belated birthday gift, you know, aside from the chicken purse. And she had a cough that day. And the day after, lo and behold, I had a cough, except I couldn't get rid of it. And it turned into a full-blown chest cold, which then turned into a sinus infection, which on Sunday turned into an ear infection. And you see, I used to have really bad ear infections when I was a kid. 
you know, and they, I was, they were supposed to have you know, put tubes in my ears and give me surgery, but that never happened. But I have to be really careful about my left ear. And all of a sudden, like at six o'clock in the evening, I started to get the feeling like, oh boy, this is like it is when I was a kid. It's not just regular ear ache. This was screaming pain. And after an hour or two, there was a noise and then there's blood squirting everywhere and I'm screaming and not even in a fun way. But my eardrum ruptured. So it's not as bad as it sounds, evidently. I, I'm not deaf as some of you seem to be very concerned about, which I wouldn't be surprised if I was, you know, based on all the jokes I made about Marley Matlin while she was on The Celebrity Apprentice. But I'm not. It, it's uh, the, the membrane heals in about two days. It's the fastest healing membrane in the body. And they gave me Vicodin. I just got to make sure it doesn't get infected. Infected. Did I mention they gave me Vicodin? So that's that. Oh, one more depressing thing. Jay Emmett from Petticoat Radio who calls in all the time. His wife Heather's grandmother passed away. And uh, we give you, Jay and Heather, big squishy scream queen hugs at this very sad time. And that much said, let's get silly, shall we? Okay. So gay marriage passed last night. Holy crap! Isn't that amazing? Yeah, way to go, Albany, for finally getting your head out of your ass about something. And at least it was something good. I, of course, missed everything. Um, I was feeling crappy last night. My ear was really hurting. So I went to bed early. So apparently there was partying in the streets and stuff. Well, I had a party in my head. My dream party. But... That's okay. And uh, the Gay Pride March is tomorrow, Sunday, and I won't be there either because, you know, I my ear hurts still. So I... it It's hard to describe, but it gets tired as the day goes on. Like After a day of listening to stuff, it just hurts. And I think with all the noise and everything, it would be just too much. Plus, I have to keep... Uh, you know, I have to keep cotton balls in it all the time to keep from getting infected. And I think all those people, it wouldn't be so great. And plus, Mr. Brad doesn't do crowds very well and plus my concert is on wednesday this coming wednesday and as it is i'm having a hard time at rehearsals because i can't hear anything you know the band's playing and all i'm hearing is like and it's hopefully gonna get better but if not it might i might be millie vanillying the um the 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 concert because lord knows what's coming out of my mouth because i can't hear it so as far as the gay pride weekend you know monumental gay pride weekend i'm extremely lame but you know what I'm doing this fucking show for you, kids. And this will be recorded forever. I'm making history this way. Yeah, that's what I keep telling myself. But we're having our own party right here, so let's all disco. Yay. Oh, my gosh. This is, this is crazy all up in here. Or something. So, Bradford and I have been shopping. You know, we're redoing the living room. So, we've been shopping for, you know, couches and carpet and book. But... It, it's been okay, and, you know, the other week, we were at the Home Depot, and we're trying to decide, you know, whether to get, you know, carpet, carpet, or just, you know, a rug, and Bradford was describing what he wanted to the man, this, this Middle Eastern man who was very nice, and Bradford's like, well, you know, we want a piece that will cover not quite the whole room, like a piece of a carpet that will cover not exactly the whole room, but just like a little part of the room. And the man goes, a carpet? You do not want a carpet. You want an... 
Now, this is a visual thing, because I was in horror, because this man, I had no idea what this man said. It was like, do you remember? It was like, I think they were rich toothbrush commercials with the flip top head with a little cartoon guy, like the top of his head just like unhinged and flipped all the way back, and his tongue was just like in the air. That's kind of what this was like. And he just like, a carpet? You don't want the carpet, you want an And he said it like three times, and then I finally figured, it's like, oh, an area rug, and it was really hard not to laugh. So now every time we're out shopping for carpet, I'm like, carpet? You don't want the carpet. You want it. Because I'm mature like that. So, hey, I was in the New York Times, yo. I posted this on the website. I mean, on the, you know, the Facebook page, and I tweeted it all over the fucking place. But, yeah. <coughs> Uh, a reporter from the New York Times came to see the Ryan case, 1873. I guess it was three weeks ago now. And uh, the day after, the Monday after he called the show, he called me up and we talked for half an hour and I told stories. And the following Sunday, bam, there I am, splashed all over the New York Times metropolitan section. And it was really exciting and really cool. And the thing is, it's really funny. I'll post the, I'll post the, um, the article in the show notes in case you haven't read it because you really should read it because I it's really all about me and therefore awesome. But um you know the guy the picture that they ran of me in there it's really funny because you know I've talked about the show a lot on here. Um you really patch we had no to shut up but um I'm playing a drunk. So when people come to find me in the park I tend to try to be passed out on a bench. It adds to the thrill because, you know, they see me and they're like, is he part of it? Is he one of the actors? Oh, my God, Marjorie, I can't tell. Should we wake him up? What if he's a hobo? I'm not a hobo. I'm on audiologue. No, that's not even funny. But um, I guess it was kind of funny. But then when they wake me up, I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, no, I don't have any money and whatever. It's this whole big extra thrill. So I'm sitting there sleeping. I saw my, my group approaching through my little hidey hole spot. And, you know, I just went, okay, I just got curled up, and I closed my eyes, and I'm just, <laughs> that kind of thing. And now, I didn't realize this photographer guy had snuck up ahead, and he was by himself. So I didn't hear anybody. Like, I normally can hear the footsteps like, gathering around me, and the hustling, and the whispering, and the poking, and the giggling. And he had got them all to sneak up on me totally quietly. And then they all just jumped on me. And... When I woke up legitimately screaming, that's when they took the picture. So that picture in the article is genuine terror. And the thing is, the, all the stories that I told in that article, you already heard right here on Scream Queens. Cause so you had the scoop on the New York Times, bitches. Now, a couple of funny things happened at the show. I don't mean to keep droning on and on about it. But, you know, when funny things happen, I got to share. You know how it is. The last time we did the show, all this shit went on. I'm sitting on my park bench, and there's long periods where I'm by myself. Like, wait, you know, you don't know what's holding up the group. You know, they're, they're spaced differently, and, you know, sometimes they get lost or stuff or beers. And so we can't communicate with each other, you know, without whipping out a phone and possibly blowing our cover. So you gotta just kind of lay low and stay mellow. And I'm in a cool area because there's, you know, soccer players that take their shirts off and stuff like that. But this one particular day... It's this little circle of benches where I sit, but right outside the circle of benches on the other side of the trees, these two young soccer player guys were sitting there. And one of them was reasonably attractive. 
I'm like, oh, hello. It was windy, so I can't hear what they're talking about. But the next thing I know, they're screaming at each other. You son of a bitch. Fuck you. I can't believe you did this. I hope you die. Like, no, baby. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Like, oh, oh, I'm going to kill you. Blah, blah. Fuck you. Throwing their Chinese food on the ground. Taking shit out of their bag and throwing it at each other. God damn it. I hope you die. And bang, the next instant they were making out like the world was ending. <laughs> And then instantly, like, fuck you, I hope you die. I'm like, wow, mood swing. And then the next thought I had was, meth fight. I don't know if they were on meth or not, but it just looked like, you know, that kind of a mood swingy thing. But then the same day that when I first got to the, my circle, there was this couple that was sitting on the bench that I like to frequent. And I'm looking at them like, I hate you. And they were young lovers. And they were making me ill because they were just so in love and they were sitting each facing each other on the bench you know cross knees with their knees touching and they're holding hands and then just looking into each other's eyes and just whispering and I'm thinking at the guy going you are a psycho killer there was just something in the way in the way that he was carrying on with her that was just giving me the creeps the creepy curlies the oogie boogies you name it it was gross, is what I'm saying. No, guys, the sensitive. You, you haven't banged her yet. That's what this is about. But they were just so gross. They were just so gross. And I sat there the whole time going, I can't wait to ruin your romantic evening. Because I'm going to sit right next to you, and I'm going to throw a goddamn fit when these people go through. And make sure I break you motherfuckers up and chase you out of my park. Young love, go fuck yourself. That's right, you heard me. So, you know, funny things happen between Bradford and I when, in general, you know, we have the most unusual conversations as it is. You know, a lot of times we'll you know, be in the middle of a conversation and I'll just kind of snap out of it for a second and I go, normal people don't talk to each other like this. Grown-ups don't behave like this. We are grown men having this absolutely ridiculous conversation like it's the most dead serious thing in the world. And then I'm like, we're awesome. Like, case in point, now, this was this had no Vicodin involved, you know, because now I'm on Vicodin, it's a whole other kind of crazy, but um, I don't know how we got on the subject of the Real Housewives of Atlanta, probably because he lives there and he's just embarrassed by the whole show. Neither one of us watch it, but, you know, we kind of got into Nene Leakes when she was on The Celebrity Apprentice and everything. And somehow, I, it was probably me. I said, you know, like, well, it's time for them to introduce somebody new. Somebody completely out of character. Like, it would be great if, like, Marie Antoinette showed up as one of the real housewives of Atlanta. And that was just a huge source of amusement because, you know, she'd show up and she doesn't have a head. And it'd be like all those candid, you know, confessionals with Nene Leakes, like, yeah, girlfriend brought over this woman, Marie Antoinette, and everybody's all falling over her, now she's the greatest thing ever, but, I don't know if it's me, I don't want to say nothing about nothing, but, bitch don't have no head, everybody going on how pretty she is, and what a great conversationalist she is, she don't have a head, and I'm just scared, that all of a sudden all my friends are going to be running around with no head suit, to be like, oh, we like Marie Antoinette now, I'm like, no, bitch, you don't have no, I like my head, I'm Nene Leaks. I pay love in this face. I'm going to keep my head. And the other girl's like, why don't you like her? You should, you should give her a chance. She's a lovely person. Why don't you take her to the movies? Marie Antoinette loves the movies. What the fuck does she want to go to the movies for? Bitch, she ain't got no head. I mean, it's great. I guess it's good because she won't be talking the whole time. But she don't have a head. 
And I get nervous when he, she's over because somehow, well, what if she left it in here somewhere? I need to open up my closet and find this bitch head just sitting in there being all French and shit. Like, fa 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 And even my children, they think she's the greatest thing. My youngest son came home from his school with an awesome craft party. He's like, look, mommy, I made this for Marie Antoinette. I made her a head. He made it this styrofoam ball-ass head. You know, with pop cleaners and, like, chicken wire and tissue paper for her to wear as a head. Bitch was scared of when she didn't have no head at all, but now she come walking in my house looking like the Medusa. I said, oh, get out of my house, bitch. Now she running around with this thing on her neck, and it is not an improvement. I have nightmares about the styrofoam ball head thing. And I know if I go to the movies with her, I'm going to be stuck behind her. I'm going to have to ask her to take her damn head off. Oh, excuse me, madam, but could you please remove your head? Girl. This conversation went on for hours. Hours. You thought it went on for a long time right now? Hours. So, some people, I guess, just find each other for a reason. So, I'm on the subway the other day, and New York fashion in the summer always bothers me. First of all, guys in capri pants. What is that about? What is that about? I, I just don't get it. It just looks ridiculous. I, I mean, I figure maybe there's a specific body type that it looks good on. If there is, I haven't found it. And so I just have this theory that all these guys who are running around Manhattan wearing, you know, capri pants, deep down inside, I think they all think they're Jackie Onassis. And also, there's just something about when you put on a pair of capri pants, regardless of your gender, to me, immediately your name becomes Babs. And like, these guys that I see running around wearing them, they may be a lot of things, but none of them are Babs. So if you can't handle being a Babs, bitches, you need to find something less asinine to wear. Okay? And speaking of Capri Pants, I'm on the subway the other day, and I, I saw the complete flip side of what I just bitched about. I saw this older woman in Capri Pants and socks. Like dark dressed, like knee socks. Like completing, completely defeating the purpose of the Capri Pants. And they were weird because they look like some kind of uniform capri pant. Like, if the male delivery person wore capri pants, this is what she would wear. It was like that weird polyester fabric with like a gold stitch down the seam. And I'm like, what? What? I, what? I, uh. And of course, we get on the subway and she sits directly across from me. So all I can do is not stare at her. So i like, okay, I'll look over here to the right. And I look over to the right, and there's this woman also wearing capri pants. This more middle-aged woman, fairly attractive woman, except her foot. You know, she's wearing flip-flops, and her foot, there was something about it. There was nothing, like, aesthetically wrong with it, but to me, it just looked like a dead fish. The way it was, like, hanging there out of her capri pant leg, she's got, like, fish foot. So I got, you know, capri pants and socks and fish foot. And in between them is a guy with his Asian guy with his fly wide open. So I have nowhere to look. This whole time, so just like Mr. Bredger, look me in the eye the whole time. Just keep looking at me right in the eye or I'm going to throw up on someone. This is my nightmare car. He's like, I don't understand anything about you. I said, I know, neither do I. I'm complex. Hey, have you guys been watching the second season of Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated on Cartoon Network, because if you haven't, you really should. First of all, you might remember me bitching about it last season that, you know, somewhere along the line, like, Velma went from being the smart one who finds all the clues and says jinkies and not to become, like, a real bitch. You know, her and Shaggy are dating now, which is ridiculous because she's, like, a huge lesbian, but she's been trying to break up Shaggy and Scooby. She's like, you know, it's me or the dog. 
Hey, fuck you, bitch. Who are you? Show ain't called Velma. It's called Scooby-Doo. And this season, I find out that the voice of Velma is, is Mindy Cohn, who played Natalie on The Facts of Life. And I said, now I understand. Now I understand why you're such a cranky bitch. Got it. Got got it, but actually she's great in it. But this season has had some great episodes like this. The, the I think it was a season opener. They had this one where they were going to some mystery solving competition. You know, I guess like you have. But they brought in all the mystery solving teams from like every seven every seventies Hannah 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 Barbera cartoon. Ever. They had the Speed Buggy Gang. They had Jabberjaw. They had the Funky Fucking Phantom. They had um, Cats and Caveman and the Teen Angels. His Teen Angels, Brenda, Didi, and Taffy. I haven't seen that show since I was like eight, and I remember that instantly. I'm like, oh, it's Brenda, Didi, and Taffy. Where did that come from? I can't do physics or geometry, but I remember that shit. What is that about? But that was cool. And this last week, they did this whole Vincent Price thing where all of his characters were there, like, making fun of it. And it was really good. So if you're not watching, check it out because I said so. So aside from the movies we're going to talk about here on our gay pride hot body hoot nanny show, what we got going on here, I, I, I've been watching a lot of movies, like I always do. And I guess the big one to talk about really quickly is Super 8. I'm sure everybody's seen it already. But here's what I needed to say about it. Um... First of all, I think they marketed it all wrong. You know, had they marketed it as more like the Goonies than, you know, the most terrifying thing ever, I would have been better prepared for what I saw. But what I saw, I liked. For the most part, it was fun. I missed that kind of movie. That whole, you know, kid adventure movie. They don't make movies like that anymore, so it was refreshing to see that kind of thing. But here's my problem with it, and this has nothing to do with the film itself. The kid that played the blonde kid with the with the pyro mania issues I couldn't watch him well first of all he had upside down mouth which I hate and he had gigantic teeth and ugly braces but the thing is he looked disturbingly like this guy kid I should say named Trey who was the leader of the kids who tormented me back in junior high school acted like him sounded like him also had pyromania just like him it made me incredibly uncomfortable and you know, listener Trey out there, no, no, I love you. But I've never met a Trey who didn't give me the heebie-jeebies before, except for you, and I realize why you spell it differently. You went all vowels, and he had a sometimes why, so fuck him. And even though it's disturbing to see that kid up in the movie looking so much like him, it did give me a fantasy that somehow Trey, bully Trey, is still some, you know, developmentally arrested, permanent, prepubescent, and that made me laugh. Plus, the, the, the kid that was making the movies, the chubby kid, did anyone else think of Brother D the whole time? Not not that him being chubby, but just him making the movies and his, his demeanor. It just reminded me of Brother D. You know, don't tell him I said that. He's been temperamental lately. Um, I saw a movie called Scar, starring Angela Bettis, who I love. As a matter of fact, I love her so much, she is one of... My, My favorite, favorite lesbians! Unfortunately, the movie's pretty much beneath her. It's kind of torture porny. No, it is torture porny. But it's done well, torture porny. Like, the focus is on the characters rather than the torture as much, so that changes the tone of it a bit. And there's, it's not torture the whole way through, but when it's there, it's pretty extreme. And um, the thing that was throwing me, though, she survived this attack by a serial killer when she was a teenager in the film, which left her with a scar, hence the title. And 
so you keep having flashbacks to what happened in this encounter, and you know they get you know the more you find out, the more horrific it is, and it's really gory and really intense, and you know psychologically and visually, but then in the present, kids are starting to get killed again. But you're not seeing anything. Like, and I mean, not even like off screen. Like, you're not seeing anything, anything. You're just hearing about stuff. And I said, this is weird. This is weird. Because normally, when in a movie like this, when you're not seeing things, there's a reason. And there was. And I'm not exactly going to spoil it because I don't, I don't exactly not recommend it. It's, it's beneath Angela Bettis, but it's still Angela Bettis. And for some reason, it seems to have been filmed in 3D, which I, I, I don't see why at all. But it's not available in 3D on DVD, so why am I even talking about it? I don't know. Let's move on. I watched the French movie called The Horde. It was a zombie movie, and it was like every fucking zombie movie I've ever seen except French. See it if you need to. Skip it if you must. I kind of wished I did. It just left me irritated. And if you're just poking around on Netflix, Instant Watch, and you stumble across a movie called Death on Demand... Don't watch it because I was demanding death for myself the whole time and it didn't come through because this is just awful. If it's in your queue, take it out. You're welcome. Don't expect a Christmas present from me now. Okay? Okay. You know what? I think it's time to start the show. Now, kids, as always, I record things out of order. So you'll notice throughout the course of the show, I'll sound spaced out on Vicodin or horse and scratchy or feverish or perfectly normal depending on where I was during the past couple of weeks on this amazing journey so just enjoy the many facets of me and let's oh fuck it let's just get the damn show started with some hippie music cause I'm on drugs word This is Harvey Feierstein again. I'm sitting in for my friend Patrick, who has a very bad chest cold at this time. Now, to celebrate Gay Pride Month, we decided to spend a little more time looking at gay horror films. I'm not going to keep this up for very long because I'm getting tired of doing it already. But anyway, uh, we're looking at a little movie called Dead Boys Don't Scream. 
But, you know, what's the fun of uh, talking about bad movies by yourself? So, to help me along, I've invited a very special mystery guest. Mystery guest, could you give us a clue about your secret identity? I'm Brenda Vaccaro. Hi, Harvey. Hi, Brenda. How you doing? Fozzie couldn't be here today, so it's me, Brenda Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. (laughs) You you do sound rough. I know, I know. But it's sexy. You work it. It works. I know, it is my phone sex voice. Yeah, well done. I have to call your 900 number when we're done. Yes, it's 1-800. That's the sexiest part, the phlegm. It's 1-800-SPUTUM. <laughs> 1-900-SPUTUM. I can't even do math today. Anyway, I am so sorry for inflicting this upon you. <laughs> what did you send me? What is this? I don't know. I don't know. To help the listeners out, let's just take a quick listen to the trailer because we're going to have shit to, 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 to... I can't think of a good word. I'm sick. Oh, good luck, listeners. Enjoy this. At a Cowboy Mountain photo shoot, the country's top male models are turning up naked and dead. Oh, God. Something really strange is going on. Hello? Belle? That looks like blood to me. Todd's dead? There's a murder up here. From the producer of Leather Jacket Love Story. Starring top models from the pages of Playgirl and Men's Workout magazines. A sexy thrill ride through the dark side of male modeling, filled with gratuitous nudity, politically incorrect violence, and lesbians with guns. Dead boys don't scream, because male models should be seen, not heard. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, pretending we heard the trailer. Even the trailer sucks. I know the trailer... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know what? I found the best way to get through this movie was to pretend that it was a prequel to Zoolander. Okay, that works. That helps me. And then any of the survivors just exploded at a gas station. That helped me. Now, the way I've stumbled onto this film, you know Andy from Night of the Living Podcast, of course. You know he does that little segment of his, Andy's porno? uh, Porno. Porno. Yes. And he's always looking for specifically gay horror porn. So I was in this completely legitimate video store. You know, it wasn't an adult store at all because, you know, they have legitimate movies up in the front now. <laughs> right. So I wasn't looking at porn. Okay. I so was th- this is like a uh, a cover to uh, like a mob mob hangout, a legitimate businessman's club. Yes, yes. Gotcha. They had some wonderful um, karate films. I love that the, like those video stores, like that's the law now, especially in New York City, where you have to have like you know legitimate actual movies up front. So they just like get whatever crap. Like they have like two copies of Dorf on Golf, <laughs> and <laughs> they just like buy anything from Amazon and put it in front so they can stash all their porn in the back of the booth. Yeah, but actually, it's all just empty boxes. 
Yeah, it's <laughs> no, nothing. Nobody ever rents it or buys any of those stuff. Anyway. DVDs are just painted on the wall. But That's actually, really this was in the legitimate section, and I was looking at it, and from the box, I'm like, this could be porn. This might not be porn. Either way, I thought it was something Andy might be interested in. I sent him a copy, too. Did he ever talk about it? No. Well, he needs time to process. There's a lot to figure out. Uh, He may need time to recover as well. Anyway, if you didn't figure it out from the trailer, the plot of Dead Boys Don't Scream uh, centers on this group of models. You know, they all work for the same agent. Well, one of them has a visitor from out of town come in. This this young friend, uh, this young female friend. And, uh, well, she gets drunk and gets crazy. And you can feel free to jump in at any time, Fozzie. Sure. If you have any, like, wise insight. I have nothing. Anyway, so she she gets in, she gets crazy drunk. I'm sorry, this girl was asking for it, but she winds up getting in a four way with uh, some of the a models. Devil's four G. Yeah, it was three dudes and a chick. Uh huh. With a huge cross over the bed. Yeah, what was that? I don't know. Huge crucifix over the bed. I don't know. I digress. <laughs> we'll go, we'll come back to that. But anyway, it goes too far. Well, exactly when and how did it come to go too far? Because she was totally digging it. Until just one moment, she's like, no, this is rape. I'm like, wait, how? Because it began to hurt. Now, we oh. can't blow the ending now, can we? Oh, all right. I don't want to give that away. No, right. And, you know, this girl gets hurt very badly. And immediately afterwards, the male models start to die. One of them dies anyway in a freak fall. <laughs> we'll come back to that, too. In order to help cover up, their agent says, you have to go to the mountains, to this ranch, and do this naked cowboy spread. Just get out of town for a while. This art book. And while they're there, everybody starts getting stalked and killed by some mysterious murderer. They're obviously doing like a a flaccid dick photo spread. A flaccid tiny dick photo spread for yeah, some... Yeah, this is what I didn't understand about this movie. I don't know what the market for this movie is. Who was this made for? Well, I don't understand either. And, the, you know, there is a trend of gay horror films coming, like, on the rise. And I've talked about it a couple times. Yeah. But the, my biggest frustration with these gay horror films is especially – they're not all – they don't all do this. But there, a lot of them are guilty of doing the um, alleged straight guys. You know, like, they, they cast, like, gay models to yeah. play straight guys. But there's, like, gay overtones mm-hmm. and there's subtle gay sexuality, but they're allegedly straight. So, and I think that's just feeding into like this, you know, alleged desire of every gay guy to sleep with a straight guy. But it doesn't work when that alleged straight guy is a flaming queen. No, it doesn't. I, I, I just didn't understand the film at all. There's that, too. And I'm watching it going, okay, these guys are supposed to be straight. So we have this really awkward sex scene with a woman. Yeah. And there's one scene where one part of the scene where one of the guys is just humping the bedpost. He's yes. just standing there humping. He's standing there humping the bedpost like one does when you're waiting your turn. How you do. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, what was I going to say? I don't remember. Um, what are we talking about? Um, well, I love the xy- – like the, the dick is set to xylophone music. Like there's like plinky, plunky carnival xylophone music when they're posing nude. That's what I was going to say. The thing is if they wanted to make these nude modeling scenes erotic, they didn't. Because there's always horrible, inappropriate music. Like in the first shot, when they're not in the first photo shoot, where they have girls with them and they're not naked, they're just doing bathing suits. There's this weird projection screen behind them where they're like flying around San Francisco and now they're on top of the Empire State Building. It's, it's like when you go to the mall and have your music video made. Exactly. I was going to say it's like one of those theme park videos that you can make and you're singing like, I don't know. Venus on a mountain top, <laughs> burning like a sil- no, like that Vogue video. Have you seen that Vogue video? The, the little kid who's voguing. Oh, the yeah, that's I, exactly I, what the video it was. I heard about it before I actually saw it, and I was like, oh my god, was it me? Because I used to sing to Vogue <laughs> a lot in my room. I was like, did I ever record that? Oh god, 
But if I'm you don't know what we're talking about, listeners, I will put this up on the website because it's precious. Yeah, but then, like, and then like in the cowboy scenes where they are naked, okay, first of all, these shots are ridiculous. They keep calling it an art shoot. Yeah. And it's the cheesiest, cheesiest cowboy. They're just wearing, like, little teeny tiny cowboy hats with plastic guns. They got and, from Walmart, from the kids section. From Walmart, and it. It, there's nothing artistic about it, but they're like playing this. So if you want to spank it to it, it's really hard to spank to a banjo. Right? <laughs> yeah. I learned that when I used to live in Alabama. <laughs> I, I learned that watching Hee Haw. We're, that's not, we're not talking about that right now. I think that the sexiest part of the entire movie was when the, uh, the uh, Teutonic blonde twins were feeding each other sausage seductively at the <laughs> breakfast table. <laughs> The Poodle Twins. Yes. Okay. I'm sure everybody has no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> Nobody's seen <laughs> no. the fucking movie. Well, I didn't know for the longest time because they kept saying, where are the poodles? Where are the poodles here? Where are the poodles? And I thought they were actually talking about poodles. Poodles. I think that's the joke that when they show up that they're not poodles. But they weren't even French. Like if they were French, I would have gotten it, but they weren't. No, I, they were Nordic. Some like Switzerland. They were, they were very Germanic. But it's these two blonde models that look like identical practically. They were what Hitler wanted. They are what Hitler wanted, and they're very um, – I don't even know how to describe them. They were the best and worst part of the movie at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they're, they, they're like – they share a brain, they speak in unison, and they're really into each other in this freaky Teutonic kind of way, very weird techno right. kind of way. They can't take their eyes off of each other, and they feed each other sausages. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's easy for, for us, obviously – it's easy for us to like tear a movie like this down, but like there were, if you have to look at it, and you have to pick out something good. Yeah. Is there, can you think of anything that was good in the movie? Um, mm. like I said early on, you know, I think before I started recording, um, it's funny. It's like the parts that are supposed to be scary are not, and the parts that are supposed to be serious are hilarious. Right. Let me look at my notes here. What have we got here? But I will say one thing that I actually you got a naked man on a pogo stick. You know, where do you get that? (laughs) Where else are you going to get a naked man on a pogo stick? (laughs) You've never been to one of my parties, have you? Well, I guess not. But one thing I did like, there was a a stage punch. And there were a couple, actually, a couple stage punches. They were either the best or the worst stage punches I've seen. And I can't tell well because it seemed very real. Like, you know, most stage punches in films, like they put like, you know, somebody smashing a watermelon with a with yeah. a, a mallet with, through the foley. Um, yep. But this was just like very subtle. And that's usually how a punch is. If you actually yeah. see it happen in real life, it doesn't make a big noise. And it just, no. you're like, wait, what just happened? And yep. that's what happened in this film. It was like, wow, that just actually happened. So I was kind of impressed by the stage punch. Yeah, I, I don't remember what you're talking about, but I'm thinking these guys are not going to take a shot to the face. They're too pretty. <laughs> Well, so either it was completely unintentional and there was like a huge cat fight once the cameras start rolling, which is also <laughs> awesome. Right. Oh, well, yeah. I also liked that the black guy died second, subverting – The, black, the black-ish guy, the, bla- the Blitzino yeah. guy, yes. Yeah. But they're subverting our expectations. Well oh, done. that scene I thought was hilarious. When he died? And it seemed to be funny. Yes. This guy is you know, walking through the woods. He got locked out of the house in his underpants, his white underpants, like you do. And he's walking around in the woods. Why? I don't know. <laughs> he's not going around to the other doors. He's just like, I'm going to go for a walk in the woods. And he gets accosted by the killer who's wielding an axe. Obviously, a chase ensues. And they're both running in slow motion. Like, not like the camera is doing slow motion. Like, they're running in slow motion. <laughs> yeah. And in case you were not sure what kind of a movie this is, the killer swings the axe, misses the man, but hits his underpants. Just enough not to cut the flesh so that his panties get ripped off and now he's running through the woods butt-ass naked. Yes. That's when I said, okay, they know what they're doing here. 
this is funny. And it does kind of turn the tables on regular cheesy horror films where that happens to girls all the time. Right. Whoops, my top. Yeah, that's true. That's But, you know, of all the, all the actors, he was the one I wanted to see naked least. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately. Yeah, I know. I just want to go back to the, the, the sexy rape scene. Yeah. I mean, it goes on forever. It does. And it's not erotic at all, even before it was rapey. Right. And it wasn't well, – we should clarify. It's not rapey until – when it starts to get rapey, it kind of ends really quickly. Yeah. So it's, it's just a, an erotic scene for – which I fast-forwarded through. I don't know how long it was. I actually clicked the 80 times fast-forward to get it, through it. It went on forever. Yeah, because Mr. Brad's like, and they're still going. Yeah. Oh, look at that. They're still going. Like he kept going out and like making a sandwich and coming back. He's like, and they're still going. How about that? Good for them. Goes well, out to Bloomingdale's, comes back with his bag, still going. Yeah, and it's all awkward. I mean, it's not sexy. It's awkward. And when it gets rapey, it's really just one of them. It's the sleazy French photographer guy with bug eyes. Right. And now she runs out of the room, and she's bleeding from her hooch. And he checks – somebody checks – I don't know, whatever. Yeah, like, but this guy's like – Yeah, the other two guys are concerned, but the French guy's like, I don't care. I'm French. That is what we do in France. This is how we do in France. We leave that bleeding. He tries to – he wants to get in the bathroom because he's got to pee. So he's banging on the door, and she's like, fuck off. Go away. Leave me alone. So he's like, fuck it. I'm going to go pee off the balcony. How you do? Like you do. Which he does. Like they show him peeing. Like he pees for real. And he has one of my favorite lines of the movie. You start to get that killer point of, you know, POV shot. Right. Sneaking up behind him. He turns to the camera. He's like, oh, what are you doing out there? Leave me alone. And he goes, fuck you. Watch me pee. I don't care. <laughs> Watch me pee. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely my favorite. He went way, way too quick. Yeah, and then he gets pushed off the roof. But to be fair, the rapist is always my favorite. Yes, but normally they leave the bad guy till the end. Like, because he was the worst of them. Right? Again, subverting expectations. There you go. There you go. I did enjoy – you know what I did like? Genuinely enjoyed in this film. I loved their agent. The, she was the, actually a decent yeah. actress, and she was pretty funny. Yeah, she was. She was. And she looked familiar. I didn't have the energy to IMDb, but has she done anything? I couldn't find anything for her, she, but she's actually very funny, and she's playing their lesbian agent. And, you know, the, the best actress in the film, I think, was actually her girlfriend, the lesbian cop, <laughs> Officer Van Dyke. Belle Van Dyke? Like, <laughs> on the nose, don't you think? On the nose. Yes. <laughs> How lesbians do it. Um, yeah. But she was actually pretty good. I liked the lesbian cop, too. She was a good actress. She, she had the line where she's like, where they're, they're, they have two of the guys have gone missing, and they're like, well, we should really go find them because it's dangerous out there, you know. Yeah, there's bears in these woods, and it is mating season. And the agent says, oh, great. Horny bears chasing young male models through the woods. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I loved everything about her. She was amazing. Yes. So, yeah, so that is the one good thing about the movie. Well, I'm trying to read my notes here. Oh, <laughs> Mr. Brad had this comment. <laughs> when she's running around at the ending and she's finding all the bodies, the way she's running really awkwardly because of her shoes, and Mr. Brad goes, Honey, be careful. Don't fall off your mules. <laughs> She was one of my favorite types of lesbians in films, too. Just like a brash ball buster with a lot of power and a Chanel suit. And a sense of humor. Yeah. Yes. She was uh, She was really good. I want to be her friend. Although uh-huh. she scares me a little. Like in real life, I don't think I could be her friend. Yes, but you'd want to have her in your circle of friends? Yeah. Oh, I want her wait, no, you want to be on her bad side. Yeah, definitely. Oh, you know what else was good, actually? <laughs> the... Um, the practical severed dick effect. That was a really yeah, good I, That was one of my notes. I had pee-pee on the floor. And it yeah. took me a while to figure out what that what meant because I watched it a week ago. I'm like, did somebody pee on the floor? No, somebody's pee-pee was on the floor. Yeah. 
and yeah. it was it, it like it almost reached a reached a uh, what is that movie Piranha 3D like yes that, yeah it was like almost as it was better than that actually because it was a practical dick they don't have <laughs> <laughs> well I hate those impractical dicks right <laughs> hard to deal with they're useless <laughs> well what am I gonna do with this. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have a whole drawer full of them. Oh, now what? <laughs> this doesn't go with anything I'm wearing. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. There's a really good – I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go. You go. Well, there's a really good line at the end of the film, and I think this is a spoiler, so maybe I should hold off on that. I think this is just what I was about to talk about. It turns out, not surprisingly, that the killer is the girl who was you know, raped or whatever. And who just disappears through the, the rest of the movie. Right. Obviously. Well, because apparently they sent her back to Toronto. Right. Fuck, sunny shores fucking of people from Toronto they come over here they act like sluts they ruin everything everybody gets killed because of them then they just go back to fucking Toronto exactly that's how yeah. every Torontoan I know has done the exact same thing Torontoian <laughs> Torontoian now it turns out like she was supposed to be the friend of this the leader of the male models who was the big anti-gay one who by the way was named Christian I th- was that intentional interesting uh huh I'm probably reading way too much into this film but it turns out she's not really his friend She's his sister. What? No, not really. She wasn't always his sister. She used to be his brother. Dun, 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 dun. dun. Well done, sir. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the first time he's meeting her as a woman. Like, she just had the surgery. That's why she goes so crazy. She goes, I got a new, I got new stuff. I got to go try it out. And as she says, for her motor for killing everyone, take it away, Mr. Fozzie. They broke my brand new pussy. <laughs> that I was just the drove it off the lot. <laughs> <laughs> I took the tags off. I can't take this back. <laughs> there are scuff marks on the bottom. That is actually what that line projected the movie into. Like I said, this is why I have to share this with someone, and Fozzie will appreciate that. <laughs> of course. He broke my brand new pussy. <laughs> I said, that's valid. As you know, Pearl used to keep the tags on her pussy. She was? Minnie Pearl used to keep the tags on her pussy. (laughs) That's what you should do. Exactly, so you can return it. Right, you never know. Uh Uh-huh, you never do know. And and her brother's like, well, we can buy you a new one. And she's like, no! (laughs) I wanted this one, and it's ruined! Yeah. That happened, people. That actually happened. (laughs) On film. (laughs) On film. And also what I thought was very funny, too, the, the, the lead guy, Christian, he has his whole final chase scene butt-ass naked. Right. And he gets caught in the <laughs> rear window of a car. Yeah, he's, he's just struggling. Because like, the, 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 the lesbian, to keep him from getting away, you know, she's not trying to kill him. She's trying to keep him from running away. <laughs> he's trying to squeeze through a car, and she rolls up the window on him. So he's just stuck. This is a what lesbian not to fuck with. Yeah. It's like Winnie Pooh and the Honey Pot. Exactly. He's just there dangling naked. Exactly. <laughs> Um, actually, the only guy I wanted to see naked, I liked the red-haired assistant, except he was the worst fucking actor. He was so gay. I'm like, don't open your mouth. He, okay, he seemed like he didn't, okay, not only did he not want to be there, he didn't want to be in this movie, he strikes me as the kind of guy who doesn't want to be anywhere. Like, everything's lame. This is Uh stupid. I hate this. Like, you could come in with, like, the fucking Dixie Chicks twirling batons on fire riding an elephant, and he'd be like, oh, whatever. Oh, my God. This is happening. Yeah, <laughs> he was so bored to be in this movie and to be in California, to be in life. Uh-huh. He uh-huh. just hated everything. Uh-huh. 
I wish the uh, black makeup artist girl would have gotten a little bit more. I liked her too. Yeah, I could see like a nugget. Like a lot of this movie, you know, obviously it's bad acting, but I think a lot of it can be uh, like chalked up to bad direction and like they didn't have a lot of budget and they couldn't. I'm sure they had no rehearsal time either. So I see a nugget of talent in her. Yeah, yeah, and actually this. Yeah, so I wish she would have gotten a little bit more to do. The trick that Killer pulled on her, I said. Jason should pull that one, not you. Or Michael Myers. I'm like, that was a pretty good trick. I've yeah. never seen that before. No, somebody came and knocked on the door because they were locked out. And she's like, she was scared because, you know, I don't know. I don't think anybody was dead yet. Or she, and... No, that's one of my biggest pet peeves in horror movies. You notice how that happens where characters act scared for no reason. Like they seem to know they're in a horror movie. Well, people had disappeared. Eh. And she was getting concerned or something. And that Christian guy was acting crazy. Eh, true. Okay. Yeah. So she I'll went. So she was like, "Oh my God! There's somebody at the door. There's a silhouette at the door," and she goes with the knife. She's like, "Oh, I'm so scared!" And she opens the door to the photographer's assistant. She's like, "Oh, okay, great." And like two minutes later, there's a knock at the door again. She sees a silhouette, and she just opens the door and she gets chainsawed. Yeah, the chainsawed. Yeah, that was a. Li- he does. He doesn't stick with one mo. Like he uses an axe, a machete, a chainsaw, garden shears, a rope. A rope. <laughs> you know what was actually a good scene in a better movie? This would have been a scary scene to me uh-huh. when. Uh, one of the characters is walking towards the creepy shack that they find in the woods. He's like, oh, what an interesting little shack. Oh, and I, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's walking towards it slowly, and the door is cracked just a little bit, and then all of a sudden, a hand comes out and closes the door from mm-hmm. inside. That would have been really well done in a better movie. In a better movie. Yeah. And actually, the scene in the hot tub would have been, in a, would have been great in a better movie somehow. Like, I like that scene. Yeah. The poodles. The poodles get electrocuted together in the hot tub. And you know, I've been reading on IMDb. People are all freaked out about that scene. Like, oh, my God, that was so disgusting. I can't believe that because, you know, the two poodles are butt-ass naked and they're staring at each other and, like, six inches away. And it looks like they're about to kiss when they get electrocuted. But are they – wait, are they people saying it's gross because it's twincest? Yes, everyone's like, oh, my God, that's so disgusting because they're totally brothers. I'm like, actually, they're not. No, they just – no, everybody from that country looks alike. Whatever everybody everybody muscular be. and blonde in the same height looks alike. You know, it was right. not – stupid. People are stupid. Yeah, they're the worst. People are the worst. People suck. <laughs> I hate them so much. I know. But no, I, I can see because that was good build, tension building. You know, they're into each other, listening to their music. I mean, they had their Walkmans in the hot tub. Yeah. <laughs> their yes. Discman, whatever it was. Well, they're never uh, without them except on the set. So. Right. And so they're like so enamored with each other, you know, like just looking in each other's eyes and kind of grinding slowly and leathering or lotioning each other up. Yes, putting like, oil. You, like you do in the hot tub. You right? always put on oil when you're in the hot tub. That'll clog up your motor. I'm just it really warning. will. It will. So, so then, then the, 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 the extension cord is lowering very slowly, and they don't notice it. I can see how that could be done well. But what was, what was funny, too, like the extension cord is lowering between them. Right. And, <laughs> and, it, and it looks like they're about to kiss, and the, uh, the, the, the cord stops like, hmm, hold on. Hold on a second. <laughs> what are you guys going to do? And when they don't, it's like, okay, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Die. <laughs> What what else is there to say? I mean, I, well, just, I did want to mention one other scene that made me laugh. There was a scene where the um, the lesbian agent and her girlfriend were having some kind of an argument. It was early on in the film, and the guys were doing the cowboy photo shoot in the background. Now they're having a serious argument, but in the back you got these naked assholes in cowboy hats oh, with guns, like. They were told to act like a rodeo, and they were all like yippy yappy and you yeah. Yeah, I remember and, and doing pony things in the background. I'm like, what? How am I supposed to focus on this conversation? And it goes on forever. And I can just sit and like, keep going, keep going, more pony, yeah. <laughs> more yeehaw. You know what this scene needs? More pony, more ponying. <laughs> and if they were ponying, you know, like <laughs> Nancy Sinatra ponying, that would have been cool, <laughs> right? 
but I can honestly say I've never seen a film like this before. No, I don't know because you know there, 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 there. Like I said, there are a bunch of gay horror films that are coming out, like by Here TV. Like Here is putting a lot of them out, and some of them are surprisingly good, but most of them are a little more not as not as deliberately horrible as this. Yeah, this yeah, was, was I, I hope so. Just because I, I've been exploring gay horror, and normally I tend to. Perfect, to be perfectly honest, you could take my gay card away from this. I tend to avoid a lot of gay cinema because it's usually butt-ass wretched. Right. For whatever reason, it just is. And, you know, I did a, a movie last week that, again, I had no idea what the market was. It was marketed towards gays, but th- it was so offensive and appalling that I want everybody involved with to die. This at least had good intentions. You know, there, yeah. wasn't a, there wasn't a mean spirit to it except for, like, the raping part, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Everybody seemed to be having a good time, and it was supposed to be entertaining. This other thing was a nightmare. So I at least give it that. It was better than the movie last week, folks, but I still don't recommend it. Right, right. I mean, I know we've made it sound fun, but if you're going to watch it, like, watch it with a group of people for oh, the ridiculousness. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's a party movie. Yeah. If, if, if you have a party of people that don't mind lots of penises flopping around. And I mean, it's not like, it's not like quick shots. It's like sometimes it's just like it's the whole screen. And yeah, oh, are. my God. And there's one scene. Oh, I have to like right. I think it might be during the the, the 4G, the Devil's 4G, yes. or right after. There's one guy standing there. No, this sounds awful, but I could not see his penis. I think uh. it went up inside of him. <laughs> he looked like a Ken doll at this at this one point. Yeah. Well, these guys are so overly worked out that you know, I, I, there's got to be roids involved, and that makes your junk shrink. Right. So there you go. There's a lesson to be learned from all this. Well, I was wondering about this because I know that there are MPAA rules regarding, uh, you know, you can't have a hard penis in movies. Like, you know, in um, mm. uh, what's that movie? That one movie where there's the sauna fight scene. Uh, Broken oh, uh, Promises yeah, the or- Eastern, yeah. Eastern Promises. Yeah. So there's that movie, you know, like, but they're all flaccid dicks. And I know the MPAA says you can't have a hard penis in a movie. Yeah. But this movie, I, I don't think it would be submitted for to the no, MPAA. No, it wasn't submitted. I'm sure you can't urinate on camera uh, for an MPAA a, right. a, a film either. So and this was not submitted. Yeah, so why would not just fluff yourself up a little bit like before the scene? You know, well, it, a couple tugs. There, you have to remember there's a naked woman there. Their penis actually might have been retreating. Because <laughs> like, Brad says he recognized some of these people from porn, and Brad knows his porn. Ah, uh, yes. I, I yes, I said that on, on, on tape, everybody. Brad yeah. knows his porn. He's not here to defend himself. So. We have a lot in common, Brad. All right, then. Okay, I think we've done this, puppy. Yeah, we did. Okay, Mr. Fozzie, thank you so much for joining me. Where can people find you? You can find my show at thepodcastpodcast.com. If you want to find it on iTunes, look for me, Fozzie Bear. That's F-O-Z-Z-I-E-B-A-R-E. You could also follow me on Twitter at that same name, Fozzie Bear. Fantastic. And actually, I was a bad host. I didn't I didn't really talk to you much at all. What is your show about? Because I'm... Um... <laughs> For those of you who are not familiar with the fabulous Mr. Fozzie Bear. Well, interestingly enough, it's a podcast about other podcasters where I have what? a podcast host and I interview them. And possibly right after this, I'm going to do a little interview with uh, your favorite host. So come over and check that out next week. You will, Mr. Patrick will be on my show. I am. I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm okay. springing this on you, but you're doing it. Uh, uh, wait, hold on a second. <clears throat> oh, no, oh. that's good. Wait. <clears throat> oh, uh, no, forget it. All right. Forget it. Moment's gone. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. All right. Thank you, Fozzie. You are the best. Thank you for putting up with this piece of crap. I hope I have something better for you next time. Okay. I hope. Okay. It has to be. Happy Gay Pride. Happy Gay Pride, everybody. Let's all sing the rhyming song, the rhyming song, the rhyming song. Let's take turns and rhyme together. The rhyming song. I was hungry. Now I'm not. 
the rhyming song, the rhyming song. Cause I eat some beans and grapes, the rhyming song. Let's all sing the rhyming song, the rhyming song, the rhyming song. Let's take turns and rhyme together, the rhyming song. I left my knees in your car, the rhyming song, the rhyming song. My laundry's ready at half past nine, the rhyming song. Let's all sing the rhyming song, the rhyming song, the rhyming song. Let's take turns and rhyme together, the rhyming song. Link. The stars are twinkling in the sky, the rhyming song, the rhyming song. There's no hot water in my hotel, the rhyming song. It's not the rhyming song, the rhyming song, the rhyming song. I know it's not the rhyming song, the rhyming song. Ah, uh, brother. What do we do now? I don't know. The rhyming song, the rhyming song. Let's all jump up and down and wave our arms and get out the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rhyming song, the rhyming song, the rhyming song. What are you, what are you doing? That's right, you know it. Get off the stage. Will you stop it? You're wrong. That's right, you do the song. So it is time for our feature spotlight film for this gay pride hot body hoot nanny that we're holding here. Oh yeah. And it is a movie called Ticked Off Trannies with Knives. Now, when I posted on the Facebook and on the Twitter that this was going to be everybody's homework assignment for this episode, I never expected the reaction I got. I got all kinds of responses. Everyone's like, oh my god, I gotta see that one. And I said, yeah, you do. It's your goddamn homework assignment, but that's not the point right now. The point is only one of you bitches actually completed your homework assignment and gave me a fucking review. Am I laying down a guilt trip? Yeah. No, Daddy Patrick, please. Not on the Gay Pride Hot Body Hootin' Any Weekend. Oh, yeah. This movie was at the center of a shitstorm of controversy when it premiered at last year's Tribeca Film Festival, and now it's time to find out why. After the trailer, though. Psych. These chicks are foxy, and they're looking for a night out on the town. Shots! But this redneck and his two S's got other plans. <laughs> But these dillweeds messed with the wrong chicks, cause they got something extra in store. And these nimrods only get one transgression. You hit like a bitch. These dripping slices of cherry pie aren't transmissive, they're transsexual. Forget the bank. This is the place for some transaction. This film transcends any translucent, transparent film out there. You don't need a translator to be transfixed and transformed into this cinematic, gut-busting, skin-slicing, ass-swinging, throat-slashing, tranquilizing, boob-bouncing, transfixing slab of a motion picture. Our trannies with knives. Well, I certainly hope there isn't any trans fats on this transatlantic transaction. How's that for prefix fun? Okay, so that's the trailer, and I think it pretty much tells you exactly what you're in for. I like this kind of movie. You see, I've talked about this before. Like, movie titles like this, 
Ticked off trannies with knives. It tells you everything you need to know. Uh, who's in it? Ticked off trannies with knives. Oh, okay. What's it about? Ticked off trannies with knives. You know, you don't really... It, it, it's, it's all there. Is what I'm saying. Which is why I find the controversy that happened around it rather surprising. And yet, in another way, not surprising at all. Even before the film opened, uh, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, also known as GLAD, started demanding that it be pulled from the uh, screening schedule. And they labeled the film as, as exploitive and demeaning towards the transgender community. And I'm, I'm reading from an article here that says, uh, Besides the depiction of transgender women, the group said that the film and its marketing campaign sensationalize anti-transgender violence. In particular, they object to the use of the word trannies, which they maintain is a pejorative for transgender people. Now I'm confused. I'm, I'm not... I understand there is nothing funny about the violence, but there's nothing funny about the violence in this movie either. It's a revenge film. You know, the filmmakers even said it's about a group of transgender women who finally get revenge on all these redneck assholes who make their life hell. Now, a lot of you might be saying, wow, this sounds like the same argument everybody had against the original I Spit on Your Grave. And actually, the uh, director, Israel Luna, took that as a huge compliment because I Spit on Your Grave was the influence for this film. Aha! So I guess he... Did what he was meaning to do. Yeah. Oh, here's what I don't understand. I don't understand how trannies is an insulting word. Just because trans is in the name of what you are. You know? And I, I'm, I'm also rather confused. why, Because the women in this movie, trannies, are in varying stages of the process of becoming transgender. Like some people seem to have breast implants while some people are just wearing breastplates. And a few of them seem to be going through that hormonal stuff that changes your voice, makes it go higher. That gets that, you know, signature buzz to it. That's the kind of the giveaway. What are you supposed to call them? If they're calling themselves trannies, and if tran is part of the word that describes you, I'm not sure how an abbreviation of it is insulting. You know, okay, because, like, I'm a homosexual, and I don't find homo to be insulting. To me, I always thought of it as affectionate. You know, it's like a nickname. Because the first time I, I heard the word trannies used very often was transsexuals calling other transsexuals tranny. So I, I, I've never heard it used negatively is what I'm saying. So I, I guess I don't understand. Glad tends to be hypersensitive, like a lot of watchdog groups. And they're great for what they do, but sometimes they just have no sense of humor. And shoot themselves in the foot. And in this case, they made such a stink about it that all of a sudden this became the hit film of the festival. Uh, it was like when the Catholic Church protested the Passion of the Christ back in the day. They did so much picketing and stuff, everybody had to say it to find out why it was banned. Same thing here. I have to applaud both the festival organizers, both the Tribeca Film Festival organizers, and the movie's director, Israel Luna, were completely unresponsive to Glad's, you know, demands. Because, as they said, a representative of the Tribeca Film Festival said, The filmmakers provide a copy of this film to Glad in February. This is in, you know, April. And for weeks, the organization has been supportive to the filmmakers. In fact, lead representatives advised the film's producers, directors, and cast on how to describe the film to its core constituency. We are confused about why in the last two days they're acting surprised about the film's existence. So, you know, anyway. Who cares about the controversy? Let's talk about the movie. So, anyway, the movie follows this group of five gals who all are dancers in a club. Now, the main focus of the film is on this one gal named Bubbles. Bubbles is in a bad relationship with somebody. She's been seeing some guy, and he's been smacking her up. And that's bad news. That's not sitting well with Mama Drag Queen Pinky Latrim, who is fantastic. Pinky's this big, black, sassy woman who will smack you down. So after their show, they go out for some cocktails like you do, particularly 
They go to the bar because another girl, Emigration, who is the hot Latino lady, get it? Emigration? Emigration? Uh, she's got a hot date with her man, Nacho. She's been seeing Nacho for a couple weeks now. Now, she's supposed to be meeting Nacho at a club after the show. And after the group has a rather disgusting discussion about why he's called Nacho, they all decide to go with him. Now, Nacho is supposed to be bringing his friend Chewy. And for a second, I got really excited because I thought it might be Chelsea Handler's little sidekick, midget sidekick, but it wasn't. It was just, you know, some dude who was very nice too, but, you know, he wasn't. He wasn't a nugget is what I'm saying. So now Emma and her friend Rachel Slur, Rachel Slur, get it? She's the racist of the past, so she's Rachel Slur. Anyway, they're good friends. And Emma hooks Rachel up with Chewy. And they're hitting it off just fine. I mean, they're hitting it off so well that the two guys are like, hey, baby, let's get out of here and get something going on. But you see, there's a problem. The two Latino guys are like, oh, we got another friend back at the place. We can't leave him alone. Can you bring another one of your friends? How about that one? Pointing at Bubbles. And Bubbles is like, no, I can't go. You know, I'm having a bad day and everything. But eventually they convince her to go. Well, it's a trap. Remember that bad boyfriend I was telling you about? Yep, he set up this whole thing. You know what his name is, by the way? The boyfriend's name is Boner. Never date a man named Boner. Or elect him to be Speaker of the House, for that matter. But I digress. And what happens at this warehouse is some really unpleasant grindhouse-style violence involving a baseball bat. And the poor girls get the crap beaten out of them. And even though the other two trannies come riding in like the cavalry to save them, things don't go very well. Two of them do not survive. Then we flash forward a bit. Uh, Bubbles has been in a coma. She's come out of a coma. And all of a sudden, the manager comes comes and picks them up and takes them out to the woods, and it turns into Kill Bill. He's like, yes, I've been training in all this martial arts crap, and now I'm about to teach you. Now, this is where it gets into that grindhouse, mo- you know, faux grindhouse movie trick of, you know, missing reels and stuff. So we miss all the training, but then all of a sudden, they get their revenge on the guys, and it's a, it's a fairly simple movie, and I'm not doing it justice. You know why? Because I'm on Vicodin. And I'm on the downside of Viking, and so I'm tired, and I'm not thinking particularly clearly. Since I'm not describing the plot very well, I'm just going to get right down to my, my rating of it. I enjoyed this movie. There's a lot of problems with the film, but I, overall, it's a fun trip. I like these girls a lot. It's extremely low budget. And um, my favorite of the girls is Rachel Slur. Now, this, this gal, she's got all the funny lines, but there's something about her delivery. She sounds like, it sounds like she's not acting, and that's not a bad thing. She's just... She's got this kind of slow way of saying everything, and it's kind of soft. So it's not the way you expect zingers to be delivered, but the fact that it's so soft and kind of slow, and I'm, like, I'm kind of confused about what I'm saying, that makes everything funny. And I like the relationship with the girls. Before the whole all hell breaks loose, they're not at the club. You get to spend a little time with them, and they're just, it's not deep stuff, but just their banter together, like the way they just make dialogue out of lyrics from 70s and 80s songs. It's cute. You really get a sense of community and family. These girls are sisters, and Pinky, well, she damn mama. So when it gets shattered, you are, it is very upsetting. Now, sidebar, this is why I appreciate movies that approach their characters like this, that make them likable and make them, that care about each other and make you care about them rather than an old slasher movie trick of making everybody so obnoxious that you want them all dead. That in a movie like this, they have this nice little family, and so when that gets taken away forever, it hurts. You know, it's not just, you know, a bunch of people that hate each other anyways. Who cares about any of them? But it's not just, you know, those two girls died, but that whole family unit has been irreparably damaged. That adds some human tragedy to the whole thing. Amidst all the false eyelashes and, and, you know, duct tape penises. Now, I think I mentioned before, they use that 
you know, Quentin Tarantino grindhouse trick thing of, you know, scratching up the film and marring up and, and having some missing reels. And they've got two in this movie. And you might think it's a cheap trick and like, oh, yeah, yeah, they did that in Grindhouse. But actually, in this case, it does a nice job of eliminating a lot of unnecessary plot stuff because the two reels that are missing are after the initial attack and from Bubbles waking up in a coma. So it's going to be all the drama of, you know, boo-hoo, this one's dead and Bubbles in a coma. Wah, wah, wah. We don't really need to know that. We just need to know it's three months later and Bubble comes out of a coma. And the other one is when they're training to become these ninja warriors because all he needed to know is like, okay, someone's going to teach him. And let's just cut to the end already because this is what you want to see. You want to see them kick some ass. We don't need to see them, you know, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Shut up is what I'm saying. Now, after the whole grindhouse violence attack sequence, things get a little odd. And I figure some people are going to be put off by this because it's not what would happen in a traditional movie. But, however, if you're dealing with, I'm going to call them drag queens. I might actually be saying something offensive right here. But a lot of times in movies and in life, drag queens are associated with the magical or or fantasy type things because that's what they are like with these characters that they put on that they make for themselves that they turn themselves into are fantasy versions of themselves and and it's about illusion and transformation so a lot of times in movies about drag queens and things you have these sequences that are like what when did they accumulate magical powers now these girls don't accumulate magical powers but there's a sequence like when they're in the hospital it's the weirdest hospital ever it's the it's this drag hospital they have a drag nurse named connie lingus and stuff and it didn't throw me at all, but it's not realistic. So I could see how some people might watch the movie going, wait, they're at a drag hospital? And this whole thing with their, their trainer, with their um, manager trainer, is also very odd and completely off the wall. But again, for me in a drag movie, I don't find that odd at all. I'm also just thinking of Priscilla. Think of Priscilla, that scene uh, with, the, with the one gal on the top of the bus with the gigantic things flying behind her. Over the top, magical. And I don't even know if I'm making any sense, so just hang in here with me, guys. You know what? I know I'm not making any sense, and this might not be the best coverage, so I did get one response from the homework assignment, so why don't we turn things over to El Goro from the Talk Without Rhythm podcast. Hey Patrick, this is El Goro from the Hello. Talk Without Rhythm podcast. So Daddy. I was on the Twitters earlier today, and I saw that you had posted a new homework assignment for your dedicated Scream Queens listeners. Yes. Now, seeing as I count myself as one of them, I thought I would take you up on this offer. Now, what drew me to this particular film was the title. Come on, man. Ticked off trannies with knives? How could I, I possibly say no? I know, So right. here's my thoughts on this particular film. Immediately going into it, I was drawn to the kind of faux grindhouse aesthetic they were going in. You know, the artificial scratching of the film. Yes. And it really, to me, portended great things with this movie. You know, I was expecting something um, kind of like an, an exploitive romp similar to the recent Hobo with a Shotgun. Unfortunately, it didn't quite live up to that. The problem with this film is that it was very schizophrenic. When we first get into it, we're, we're, we get this kind of faux grindhouse, like I said. Then it kind of gets into this weird, bitchy snark phase that just had me yelling at the screen, Get on with it! But um, then it transitions into some pretty effective horror... Then when that's done, it goes right into what-the-fuck territory. Then it's back to the horror, <laughs> only to wrap things up with the what-the-fuck. Now, there were elements of this movie that I found myself actually 
able to get behind. As I said, the horror was pretty effective, and one of the reasons that it is is because I have a friend that um, is very much like some of the characters in this movie, particularly okay. the Rachel character. Now, he's just getting into drag, and I worry about him from time to time, if only because the region we live in is filled with a bunch of close-minded assholes. Now, there have been times I've been out with him at the bars, and he's been doing his thing, you know, um, very exuberantly dancing to a Nicki Minaj song, and I look around of the crowd As and one they're does. just filled with hate and of course that gets my fucking blood boiling because god damn it he's my friend and if you mm, yeah so I, I get a little protective of my buddy Ooh, I now like that. because that of that I, like I said I worry about him so when I see this movie and I see the kind of situations that I worry that he might get into around here the horror gets kind of effective and on top of that uh, well, I guess other, other things I like about this movie the uh, pinky character the yes. very large woman. Uh, definite shades of divine on theirs, which I could definitely uh, get behind. The Rachel character, she definitely seemed to have some of the best, better lines in this particular movie. And definitely. again, reminds me a lot of my friends, so I could get behind that. But the things I didn't like about this movie, man, the Bubbles character. What the fuck? I mean, she, just so weak and never really made that, that transition into the badass that she needed to be at the end of the movie. And yeah. I, 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 I just I could, I couldn't like her. I wish they had focused on the other characters, especially Pinky. If they had made the entire movie around Pinky, I would have been behind it. You know, we could have had it like a, like a tranny version of Faster Pussycat Kill Kill with Pinky in the tourist Satana role. You know, this, this I could get behind. But... As far as uh, t uh, ticked off trannies with knives, unfortunately, I didn't think that it lived up to its title. I thought it was, a, as it? I said, way too schizophrenic. They should have th uh, figured out the tone they were going they were going for, and stuck to it. And it could have been a great little exploitation movie if they had kept it closer in tone to um, Hobo with the Shotgun. I thought that was an awesome movie. If it had been a movie like that, I would have really enjoyed it. As is, I think it's worth checking out, if only just to say you've seen a movie called Ticked Off Trannies with Knives. Naturally. But ultimately, I felt it was kind of a misfire. Alright, so that's all I got. Uh, thank you for listening to my particular rambling on a very hot summer night. God damn it, I hate it. Um, keep up the great show, sir. I'll be okay. listening. Adios. Thank you, El Goro, for calling in. As I said, El Goro is from the Talk Without Rhythm podcast, and you should go check them out because they are the only podcast that is guaranteed not to attract the worm. I don't really know what that means, but I don't want to know. I don't want to find out what it means either because I don't want no worms. Because I'm, I'm a lady like that. Um, I agree with you. It didn't fully live up to its title. But when you get, give me a title like that, it's going to be really hard to live up to. And I love that you didn't like the schizophrenic tone of the film. Because that's what I was just talking about. And I can see exactly why if you're not accustomed to this kind of movie. And this kind of like lifestyle. And, and your friend probably would get it. I see where you're coming from. I enjoyed it because it's just what I it was what I was expecting you keep comparing it to hobo with a shotgun I have no comparison to make I haven't seen it yet shoot me with a shotgun and I'll be a homo with a shotgun ah ha ah, the wit um but it's on my list I'll check it out uh, I'm it's, it's probably grittier than this is and that's probably why because you know it's about drag queens because we can't be all great we got to be pretty sometimes bubbles I really have to agree I don't know if it was even just the actress or just the character or both, but she was the most bleh 
of the five of them. She was the prettiest of the five, and I think that's why she was the central figure. She was most likely to pass, if you would. And also, I think she was further along in the transformation because she was the one I was talking about that I think she's on the hormones for her voice. I, I was trying to see if she had her nude scene, if she had a ding-dong or not. But um, I think she was the closest to a full-on, you know, transgender sexual. I don't even know what to call these people anymore. I don't mean, did I mean, did I just say these people? I'm not sure where the lines are between transsexual and transgender anymore. Um, what the actual political, but you know what? We're not talking about that. You know, you guys know what I meant, and you know I meant no offense by it. I'm on cold medicine and Vicodin. You're lucky I'm speaking English right now. Am I speaking English right now? Hmm. Yeah, but Bubbles, she did, ugh. Um, there were scenes where I thought the movie died, and I actually rewatched it, uh, just to take a little more notes after all was said and done. There were two scenes that I thought really died, and I realized on the second watch that they were both involving her just doing stuff. Like, uh, during the initial attack, there was a scene of her crawling around trying to get away that was a bit on the long side, but on the second watch through, I started to wonder, is it because it's on the long side, or is it just because she's not filling the screen, so to speak? She's not reaching out and grabbing me. And the other one was in the house when she was... You know, the second attack was about to happen. It was the same thing. She was bubbling around. Huh? And I just lost interest. And Mr. Goro, can I call you L? No, I can't call you L because L leads me to Laverne. And we already, have, we already have Mark from Laverne, California, and that will get weird. And plus, if I start calling you L, that might lead to DeBarge. And there's already one L DeBarge in the world. And do we really need another one? God damn it. No. But anyway, um... I think it's really admirable the way you're looking out for your friend. I hope he knows what a good friend he has in you because um, not all of us had that. Not all of us had an open-minded, straight friend who was looking out who was looking out for us. And that's a nice thing to have. I mean, I know I remember situations where I was younger and it would have been great to turn to that person who was giving me a hard time and say, Listen, mister, you want to go through me, you got to go through Elder Barge. And he would have been scared. But you, sir, are a good friend, and you're a good man, Charlie Brown. And if your friend's like Rachel Schlur, we're going to get along great if we ever meet. And by the way, Mr. El Goro from the Talk Without Rhythm podcast, because you are the only person to my knowledge who did their homework, you, sir, are the Scream Queen of the Week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could give you that tiara and make your friend jealous, but no! No tiara for you! Ever! Before I leave this movie forever, I just wanted to toss out one of the incidental characters in this that made me pee. Uh, it, it's a waitress character who was only introduced so that she'll say her name because her name was enough to make me stop the film and shoot coffee out of my nose, which is really weird because I wasn't drinking coffee at the time. But, you know, I think it was, uh, who was it? I think it was Tipper Samore, the direct queen Tipper Samore. She's like, you, you, Missy, they're in the bar. She's like, you, Missy, come over here, I need a drink. You, what's your name? And the waitress comes over and, she, and she's all in drag. She goes, hi, I'm hell of a bottom carter. Girl, I fell out. Well, I think that's about all I gotta say about Take Off Trainers with Knives. Even though El Goro didn't think it lived up to his uh, it, its full potential, I think he'd agree it's worth a watch. I mean, it's on Netflix Instant Watch. It's only gonna take an hour and 20 minutes of your time. And how can you resist a title like that? You know it's clawing at your brain, so just do it already. Just do it. Do it right now. Well, not right now, because I'm going to play an awesome song. An awesome song from the 80s, which I just rediscovered. Much like Ticked Off Trannings with Knives, the title of this song says it all. 
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, may I present Teenage Enema Nurses in Bondage. Cenobites. Cinnamons. Oh, shit for not remembering the name. Cinnabites. You're fired. When you first see them, and you're like, what the fuck is that? It's like a big fat guy all messed up in a teacher. I haven't felt that weird about just a creation someone's made since that. And okay. I, I really feel as if that brought me back to that kind of place. Just strange ideas. I don't know who thinks of this kind of stuff. Um... Yeah, love to hear I your think Japanese again. people. Go back to your old episodes. I'm pretty sure you mentioned it at some point, but you know, I don't keep track of the past. Nah, me either. Uh, also, I just saw Super Eight. Uh, yes. Super Eight is it's still in theaters. It's still relatively new. I'm not going to say anything about it. I will say I except it. I went in thinking it was going to be like the Goonies, and to some extent, it kind of is. It definitely has a Monster Squadish type. Uh, Mustard Twanish? Um, what? Just the relationship with the kids is really nice, and 
they act like kids. They really do. And I love shows where it's not Disney Channel, where all the kids are nice and innocent and don't curse or anything. This yeah, is, oh, yeah. is acting like kids, and I really enjoyed it. The movie itself was pretty good, uh, weak ending. Um, yep. But I don't think the ending spoiled anything of the movie, because I enjoyed it all the way up until that point. It just kind of, maybe I would have liked it to be a little more epic at the ending or tie some other stuff up. But the overall story wasn't so much about what was going on. It was about the characters, and their story was wrapping up. So looking at it that way, I see where it was, and I just had to say, okay, the emotional stuff is done. Let's get out. And they just kind of do that. And, yeah, it, it still works. It still works. There's lots of good, lots of good scares. Lots of jump scares, lots of, I mean, I really love the characters in there. There's the one little fat kid in there, um, might as well have been based on me. Here's a fat kid that likes horror movies, and he's trying to get the girl, and yeah, nothing ever works, and uh, it's all kind of, I was like, you know, he might not be the lead character in the movie, but it's, it's, ah, I just so identified with him, and it's kind of like, I, I don't know if Spielberg, if he likes to just put fat kids in movies, so he had chunks in Goonies. And I, I don't know. I, this kid was at least a funniest chunk, and it didn't get exploited with making fun of. There was no truffle shuffle kind of let's make fun of that kid thing. Yeah, um, so why put a fat kid in there? Yeah, it's not going to be the fucking was, truffle I shuffle. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I enjoyed the movie. Um, is it worth seeing in the theater? I I think so. I saw I saw it on IMAX. I don't think it came out in 3D. You wouldn't need any 3D for this. Nah. And. It definitely has a, I mean, J.J. Abrams wrote it. It definitely has his stink all over it. If you don't like your stuff, you won't like this. Ew, but, what a gross way yeah, to say it. Yeah, good effects and some, some great explosions. So, so um, that's it. I think I was completely vague and didn't say anything. So You're always completely vague. I feel relieved. Um, God. I just wanted to say one last thing before I went. Yes. This is a personal thing, so I don't know if you want to keep this on your show or not. Yes. But I've been... Uh, Watching your updates about your family and everything that you're going through right now, I want you to know I just have, you know, you have you in my prayers, and, you know, I hope everything turns out as well as it possibly can. And I'm here to you, okay? I am planning to come up to New York and... Hello? Oh, fuck you! You just hung... Fuck! You got hung up on! Ah! <laughs> I'm coughing up a lung. Oh, God, that just totally made my day. Oh, no. Those of you who actually listen to the show and not just talk to yourselves the whole time might remember that a few weeks ago, Mr. Brad put on the voicemail line a timer, a time limit. You only get five minutes to ramble to my ass now. And the first person to fall victim to the voicemail timer is the person who it's there for. In the first place, Zombart. Awesome. And the best part of this, too, is like, you're wrapping up with, like, heartfelt sentiment shit. And I'm like, oh, that's really sweet, Zombart. How am I supposed to make fun of you now after this call is over? But you know what? Your big fat mouth did it for me. Thank you. But seriously, thank you for the good thoughts. I do appreciate it. We need them. We need all we can get. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Tokyo Gore Police. Um, I saw it. It was insane. It didn't stick with me. Uh, I'm not a big fan of that kind of Japanese film, like the, the over-the-top gore stuff. I just, eh, 
it's probably fun. I probably would have had a better time seeing it with a crowd, which I didn't. I saw it on my own. And when you watch these things on your own, you're like, okay. So an alligator just grew out of your leg stump. You know, like happens. It was imaginative. I can't remember anything about it. But, you know, I know lots of y'all like that type of movie. And by all means, go see it. If it was at a screening with a whole bunch of people, I'd go see it again. So there you go. Super 8, I've already talked about that. And I don't disagree with anything that you said. I'm not sure if I said this in my chatter portion of the show because I'm recording this all out of order and I'm on heavy-duty narcotics now. And um, what got me was the Spielbergian touches. And I realize he didn't direct it. He's just a producer. Now, I saw this with Rich and all the folks from the Dark Side meetup group here in New York. And... Afterwards, we're talking about it. Actually, before we went in, I said, I just hope it doesn't end with the Shakespeare, Shakespeare, the Spielbergian annoying, up with family, happy bullshit ending that he feels the need to tack on all of these movies. And as for reference, I said, well, like War of the Worlds, that bullshit ending where not only did we go to the one part of the Boston where apparently no bombs have dropped at all, there's been no destruction at all, and everybody's fine and doesn't actually seem to know what's been going on. But to top it all off, the son that you thought was dead comes marching over the hill at that precise moment. Fuck you! You had a pretty good movie up until that point and you just pissed it away. So I used that for reference and then I said, even the ending of Poltergeist is like, blah, blah. And Rich from the Dark Side Meetup Group, he's like, oh, well, you know, he didn't direct Poltergeist, you know. And I said, didn't he? He said, no, it's Toby Hooper. And I said, really? Are you sure about that? I know that's what it says on paper. There's been some discrepancy on that subject. But goddammit, this movie went the whole goddamn same way. You had every goddamn family plot wrapping up all happy and smurfy at the ending. Almost eclipsing what was going on. Because at the time, I'm like, I really don't know, understand what's happening with the alien. But I know every intricate detail of your somewhat cookie-cutter family drama lives. You know, it was helped because he got great actors and that elevates it a bit. But still, he feels the need to just pour on the sugar in the last 10 minutes of his films. And it just, it hurts my teeth. But you know what makes all that all okay? The fact that you probably kept talking for another three minutes. You know, you got hung up on, you stupid son of a bitch. (laughs) Good times. Now, uh... You might remember last week I mentioned that Mr. Bradford and I were updating my computer to Windows 7, and as a result, I lost a whole lot of crap. I lost some listener um, emails and voicemails, which upset me very much because, you know, I love you guys. I love that you're communicating with me, and I felt like I let you down. Well, I was able to salvage a couple of things from my um, the ether spheres and uh, two emails, and I do want to give them a little love before we move on. And the first one is from Josh. And he says, Hello, Mr. Patrick. My name's Josh from San Francisco, and I'm writing in to say I did my homework. Uh, he's referring to the homework that I assigned a few weeks ago called Frayed, which was um, pretty controversial. Anyway, he says, Unfortunately, I did not like the movie. The opening scene was fantastic, but unfortunately, the rest of the movie plays out like a Lifetime Channel remake of Halloween, which is true. The ending left me angry because... Spoilers. Well, he spoils everything. Never mind. He says, well, I could go further detailing the film's faults, but I'm sure I've said enough to get my point across. Keep up the great work, Mr. Patrick, and I look forward to hearing your next cast. Josh. Uh, sorry I couldn't read most of this, but I, I, I like the movie, so I'm not spoiling it. But I understand what you said. I see your whole point. It, it is kind of a mindfuck in 
Well, sometimes you like a mind fuck and sometimes you don't. Or is that sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Either way, it's kind of the same thing. No, it's not. And uh, Josh, I love your email address. I'm not going to say it out loud, but that's filthy in the best possible way. Okay, the next email comes in from Mikey from West Virginia. And he says, hi, Patrick. This is Mikey from North Carolina. You always get my location wrong. It's North Carolina, not West Virginia. You know what? It's whatever the fuck I say it is. Daddy knows best. Anyway, he says, I'm sorry that my homework frayed was lost to the airwaves, but such things happen. I love your podcast and wait for them to show up on iTunes. But I have one question to ask you. If you had unlimited money and a great cast... What worst horror movie that have, uh, what worst horror movie, I can't talk. What worst horror movie would you remake and how? Also, what horror movie would you love to be a part of? Again, keep me in good feelings with each podcast, Mikey. I could say something really insulting and say, it's all the same down there, but Mr. Brad would come in this room and kick my ass right now if I said that. But um, I'm sorry I keep getting it wrong. I got it in my head wrong at first, and now it's stuck. So if I say it wrong in the future, know that I'm still saying it with love. Or to get under your skin. One or the other. I love this question. I'm so doped up on cold medicine right now, I don't think I have a good answer for it. So what I'm going to do, I like this question so much. I'm going to make it a homework assignment, you guys. Instead of watching a movie this week, I'm going to ask you guys, who, uh, what would you think? If you had unlimited money and a great cast, what worst horror movie would you remake? Or what horror movie would you love to be a part of? Actually, write in with one, write in with both. Make up another question. I don't care. Just fucking write me or call me. I'm needy, like Ali Sheedy. What does that have to do with anything? Woo, not quill. Hey, Patrick. Here's Zombart. Um, real quick, I just need to clarify something. Yeah, prove it. My beautiful, lovely, amazing girlfriend uh-huh. does not have a stinky pussy, and she doesn't <sighs> smell like sour milk and pennies. But she, in fact, I, I'm told she smells like roses, and I wouldn't know what she tastes <sighs> like because we're nice Christian kids, and we don't do that sort of thing. No, she just wants us to wait. So, yeah. That's our story. We're sticking to it. Bye. Doodles. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, Zombart, thank you for calling in as always, but I'm going to have to say nice try. No backsies. Because, sure, you're calling this week to tell me that you, you're, you're, her, her vagina does not smell like sour milk and pennies. However, your original call was about the flavor. You called in to say that it tasted like sour milk and pennies. And that is not only recorded on, you know, digital audio. It's been broadcast over the internet across the entire world. Probably out into the stratosphere and through the galaxies. And they're listening to it on planet Uranus. <laughs> Uranus. But, um, as Tootie Ramsey said at her finest moments, Girl, you are in trouble! Okay, let's take another email now, shall we? No, too fucking bad is what we're doing. Anyway, this is from Stacy, and Stacy's the host of the Creepy Kitsch podcast, and she can also queef on cue. Remember her? She's a peach. Anyway, she writes in, Hey, Patrick, first of all, thank you from Cinna and myself for all the love you threw our podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Not a problem. I needed to tell you that Cinna is also a ginger. Her hair is, in fact, bright orange, and it got that way via God, not Clairol. I myself am a sassy chestnut with red highlights, but I thought you and Sins need to contact as Ken. Well, we are. 
All redheads are somehow related. It's a recessive gene, goddammit. How many of us could there possibly be? Anyway, regarding The Uninvited, The Uninvited was the 1944 Ray Milan film that I reviewed in episode 33, I think, maybe? 31, I wasn't even close. Anyway, I love this movie. I love it so much that I actually bought Mimosa Incense, which incidentally is a really lovely fragrance. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen The Uninvited, which is very difficult because it's not on DVD, Mimosa is the aroma that fills the house whenever the ghost is about to get up to some mischief. Uh, she's also, uh, she continues, I love old ghost story movies. There's an atmosphere to them that many modern movies seem uninterested in replicating. I think the big part of the draw for what made this movie for me was that there was also great chemistry between the various characters, especially brother and sister. I like that their chemistry simply made them believable as siblings. Siblings? Siblings. Not giving them some creepy incest vibe. Well, I kind of got a creepy gay vibe off of both of them, you know, because they were old. Come on. Those doting old spinster sisters. But anyway, I digress. Uh, I also love the often hilariously bad English accent that Gail Russell as Stella implemented. You know what? That wasn't her fault. That was the acting accent that they gave all all ingenue stock performers of that time period. I think it was that they all had the same acting coach because they all have that fake British accent. Whether they're supposed to be British or not, I digress. Where are we? Another good movie in a similar vein is The Old Dark House with Boris Karloff. It's more in the mind of a morbid comedy, but I loved it and I have it in my Amazon wish list, awaiting the day that I managed to successfully pull off my grand caper. I love that grand caper is capitalized. That makes me so happy. It makes it grand. Grand, as a matter of fact. It, uh, the grand caper that will make me rich, it will make me rich, but sadly I have not yet figured out what the grand caper will actually entail. Well, when you do, don't tell me, because I'll steal it, bitch. I love you, but, you know... Friendship only goes so far. Anyway, I know you're sick of hearing about your sister and your cat. Eh, no, not really, but I'm going to touch on it anyway, so please bear with me. First of all, I'm so glad both are doing well. Well, you didn't know, but okay. Thank you. I can relate because in March I found out that my cat Remington, Lord Remington Sassafras, is a complete title, but he likes to dress down for the common folk. Oh, thank you, Lord Remington Sassafras. Uh, anyway, he's an advanced renal failure. That means his kidneys are not really functioning on their own anymore, so I have to give him subcutaneous fluids every day. He hates it, but it actually gives him quality of life. Sorry, but it gives him an actual quality of life. As long, so as long as that continues, we'll bump along forever long God gives him. I found out that he was in renal failure on a Saturday. I woke up, the morning on, I woke up in the morning on Sunday to be told by my older sister that my father had died the night before. He went out, laid in his recliner, Fell asleep and never woke up. Uh, needless to say, March was not a good month for me. So you're experiencing a very similar horror in April. Hit too close to home. And I just wanted to send you my love and prayers for both you and Mr. Brad. Thank you. Thank you, Stacy. This thank you. That that means a lot. Uh, okay. Oh, the other thing I can't get enough of. When you posted about the judgmental stranger in your voicemail, you folks can't get enough of that dick either. Uh, two things happened. I teared up and then I was furious. I fumed for the next few days, tried to think of an, of an invective ugly and disgusting enough to encompass my rage on your behalf, and I couldn't do it. I drew a blank. As a fellow mouth, I think you could grasp how much further that infuriated me. So, as a budding historian, I decided to look at this small-minded person through the very large lens of history. This man is an archetype. Fifty years ago, he was opposed to any skin color other than white. A hundred years ago, he thought women had no place outside of the home and most certainly did not belong in the voting booth. 150 years ago, 
He justified chattel slavery by saying that the African race was a natural slave and needed the civilizing effect of slavery. 500 years ago before that, he thought that Jews and gypsies should be eradicated simply because they were what they were. History does not know his name, I promise you. History knows the names of the brave people who told social construct to go to hell, who said that I was not right to kill someone because of their religious affiliation, that no rape victim asked for it, and that women had as much right to their own lives as men. That it was wonderful when people crossed racial divides to find love. History will remember people like you, Patrick. People like you and Mr. Brad who found something wonderful together and said, damn the consequence. Your actions by simply being your own delightful gay self are heroic. His are small-minded, petty, and ultimately wrong. Try to take some solace in that. He is wrong. All capitalized. That is enough seriousness from little old me. So I'm going to go paint my nails a lovely glittering red eat some raw cookie dough, play Lego Star Wars, and draw a picture of myself naked. You are a foul-mouthed queen, and I, for one, find it delightful. Stacy, the queef queen. Stacy, thank you so much. This was a wonderful email. I'm not going to pull it apart because there's nothing to pull apart. You said it all. Thank you for the support about my sister and the cat. The cat's doing fantastic, my sister. We don't know. We're in that awful waiting period, but all good wishes are welcome. And... um I hope you have a good time drawing yourself naked because I can't draw at all. So if I drew myself naked, it would have to be a stick figure and that would just get really weird looking. And it would probably wind up depressing me very much. Don't get salmonella from the raw cookie dough. And if you're going to paint them red, paint them jungle red, baby. Jungle red. Thank you for writing. I sound like Casey Kasem. What the fuck is that about? Ew. Patrick, this yes. is the Badger Angel, Jora Onyx on Twitter, and I just had to call. I haven't finished the show yet. Whoa, 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 slow down now. I haven't done this in a while, so just bear with me, because you're a first-time caller! Yay! Okay, I'm better now. Please continue. But, darling, sweet, sweet, dear, dear darling. Yes, am I in trouble? You talked about Dr. Terror's House of Horrors, one of my uh, most favorite movies to rag on. Oh, I God. love this movie because it's just so fucking cheesy. You scare me. The only me. movie yes, I can is. think of that's actually cheesier would be The Abominable Dr. Fives, which is an entirely different essence of cheese Different flavor of cheese, uh, completely. The, Christopher Lee, as you say, is a complete and total fucking prick in the entire movie. Oh, my God. You're absolutely right about that. But, my God, isn't Christopher Lee a complete and total fucking prick in everything he's in? I have yet to see a movie where Christopher Lee is not being a complete and total fucking prick. Not to mention, well, I don't know exactly how PC this is, but this is Scream Queens where horror gets bent. Damn right. And so I have to say, he also acts like sort of... Say it. Um, a really old queen. Yeah, well, but he's British. It's a British type of old ah! queen that doesn't really want to admit that they're a queen. You know what I'm talking about? The ones that kind of come up to the boys in those dirty picture shows no. and lay their hands on the boy's thigh. You know exactly what I'm talking about now, don't you, darling? Yes, I do. But, I think I dated um, one of those. Yeah. So we have that. And then we have, God help us, Donald Sutherland. And it's not Donald Sutherland from MASH. Oh, goddess, no. We have Donald Sutherland. Basically, you know, it's kind of like the dumbass that he plays in The Dirty Dozen, except worse. Yes. Um, 
it's kind of like you could be more naive, but really how without being a total fucking retard that walks around going. <laughs> well, he's an American, I like so I guess that's, you know, that's oh, why Christ, we're all retards. I just my stepfather. Anyway, what? so oh. long story short, yes, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors just fucking rocks. <laughs> and I am going to listen to the rest of it. I haven't gotten to your version, your review as shattering and thrilling as I'm sure it is of Skull and Bones. Uh oh. Somehow oh that just there's just something about the whole title and it's supposed to be a gay thriller that Oh God. Thank you for taking me back there. God damn how it. many references to boning are there, I wonder. None. Um, <laughs> I haven't got I haven't got that far yet, dear. I hope you feel better soon, dear heart. Ugh, still sick. And I'm really, really glad that your kitty cat's better. And what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Break a leg in the AIDS awareness concert. Not it's Thank not you. AIDS awareness. It's life awareness and living with AIDS. I beg yes. your pardon. Um, and this is the Badger Angel. And I may call back later, and then again, I may not. So. <gasps> But I promise I won't be half as annoying as Zombart. <laughs> Have a great day, sweetheart. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, my lung. Okay, first of all, no disrespect, but bitch, you better call back. Because that was a fun-ass call. I loved every second of that. We think the same, and that scares me because I don't know you at all. I'm just that guy that creeps in your ear holes late at night and says dirty things. <laughs> but not like Christopher Lee. It's a whole different kind of... Never mind. Never mind. I'm glad I have another Dr. Terror fan out there. And I hope I did the review justice for you. And uh, thank you so much for bringing Skull and Bones back up into the front of my lobes. My sneaker balls. I, I don't know where to go from there. But it... it <sighs> You know, had they made boating jokes, I would have appreciated it. No, no, that was too sophisticated a brand of humor for this. And you're right, it's uh, uh, Dr. Fibes and and Dr. Terror are two completely different flavors of cheese. It's trying to compare Gouda to some other kind of cheese. Now, see, I'm stuck on Schmeg, and I can't, I don't want to go there. I already went there, so okay, so I'm comparing Gouda to Schmeg. Which I hope nobody ever has to do in any situation Ever. Not you, not me, not any of y'all. Maybe somebody we don't like. Let's have a conference. Everybody vote for somebody you want to compare Gouda to Schmeg. I can't even say that. It's just stupid. You know what? This is falling apart. Yeah, when the show's degenerated to us discussing, you know, whether a dairy product is, you know, dick cheese or not, it is time for us to wrap this puppy up for another week. I want to give a huge thank you to Fozzie Bear from the Podcast Podcast for coming and helping me out this episode. And, of course, you can find him over on the iTunes Store. You know how to do it. You know, do a search on Fozzie Bear. That's B-A-R-E. And you'll get his show. And also to El Goro from Talk Without Rhythm Podcast, the only podcast guaranteed not to attract the worm. Still don't know what that means. But, you know, no worm, no cheese. <laughs> And if you want to be like all these people who uh, called or wrote in and sent in cool stuff, you can uh, write me at crew at screamqueens.com, and that's queens with a Z. Or you can call me at 347-767-3509. You can like me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. Because if you don't, you're not going to find out about these impromptu Netflix movie viewing parties that I keep throwing. For instance, if you weren't following me last week, you missed out on watching Dream Maniac with me, Robert R. Best, 
shitload of other people. Vaughn from Motion Picture Massacre, and of course, our very own Clevo Sam popped in for a little while. Uh, as far as the movie goes, you missed a huge piece of shit, but it's a brilliantly awful piece of shit that's absolutely hilarious. And you know what else you missed? You didn't get to find out with me that Robert R. Best is a real chatty drunk. I mean, oh my god. Girl just kept going on and on about nothing. He's like, hey, look, they're in the kitchen right now. You know, my wife, Laura, and I have been looking at linoleum, and you know how they make linoleum? Hey, did I ever tell you the difference between fuel exhaust and fuel injection? Because it's really interesting. Oh, man. And you know what? My Bug Lakewood Memorial is on Smashwords. If I told you that, yes, Robert, you've told everybody on the face of the planet that, yeah, but it's on Smashwords. Yeah, she's really chatty when she's drunk, but I love him. So if you want to miss out on fun like that, by all means, don't follow me on Facebook and Twitter. But for, all, for God's sake, save me next time. <laughs> hey, uh, before we wrap up, I also just wanted to uh, say happy anniversary to our listener, Trey. I just found out this, you know, uh, just now as, you know, because I'm recording this shit all out of order. But him and his partner have been together for nine years years bravo bravo bravissimo bravo you're even more lesbianish than we are wow but congratulations in all seriousness should i give out a homework assignment or should i let you enjoy your summer vacation hmm 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 fuck it here's your homework assignment this is a very special homework assignment because it's in honor of a very special person That's right, our very own Joe from Cincy. You might recall a long time ago, he called in and talked about a movie called Flesh Eating Mothers. It's not available on DVD. Well, guess what? Your homework assignment is to watch Flesh Eating Mothers. Well, how am I supposed to do that if it's not available on DVD, Patrick? Shut up, stop crying, I'll tell you. You head on over to stageview.com. That's S-T-A-G-E, V as in Victor, U as in you, dot com, and do a search on Flesh Eating Mothers. Legality? Questionable. Fun? Definitely. Now, I haven't seen this movie since I was in junior high school, and if it sucks, we're all going to blame Joe from Cincy, but we're going to have a fun time reviewing it anyway. Also, next time, Mr. Brad will be joining me, and we're going to be talking about a very unique theatrical experience we had here in a haunted 1930s hotel called Sleep No More. And, oh, you might be wondering what happened to my friend Owen. Wasn't he supposed to be here this episode? Yes, he was. But you know what we realized? The musical Carrie is coming back to the off-Broadway scene later on this summer, so we might as well save the Carrie show till then, right? Yeah, that, and he's leaving for L.A. on a whim all of a sudden, so fuck him. Nah, don't fuck him. Anyways, shh, nobody said that. Okay, um, (laughs) wasn't I wrapping this puppy up? Happy Gay Pride, all you kids out there. And by the way, happy you, Pride Day. Whoever you are. Whoever you are, gay or straight, give yourself a big hug right now because I'm proud of you. Okay, so until next time, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, Boy, while it's been hard for me to accept your homosexual lifestyle, I keep telling myself, Well, at least he's not a podiatrist. I go hunting for witches Heads up, go, he's a roll 
Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com. Bitches! <laughs> Gotcha. Oh, uh-huh. This sorry. is this, this is what happens when you're nice to people. Yeah, that you learned your lesson, I hope. N- yes, I did clearly by sending you this fucking movie. Oh my god. <laughs> <coughs> that was rough. Uh-huh, but yet <laughs> I don't even know if Dick can make up for it. Oh yeah.